kingdom is advancing. Period. God can move when he wants to move, where he wants to move, how he wants to move. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. There's one, there's one government growing faster than ours in the whole universe. And it's his. <laughs> the difference is it's a good thing his is growing. All right. Uh, <laughs> so we have a couple of cool things. The, uh, Shireen's going to start a women's Bible study. And Shireen, if I was a woman, I would want to be like Shireen. She's a superhero. So if, if you are a woman, you've got to figure out a way how to get into this group to become like Jesus slash Shireen. Just kidding. But anyway, so I'm going to send this around. Can somebody make sure, and we're officially, like, we're having legit church today. We've got two clipboards. So, um... Some reason in church, it always happens. It doesn't seem like a complicated process, but somehow making the jump in between, these things get lost into the ether somewhere. So can you just make sure it makes it all the way across? And maybe when it gets to the back row, somebody could just throw it on that black, back, the black table back there. So there's that. Um, I don't uh, you know all the times and all that. You can talk to Shireen about it. Just sign up if you're interested. Even if you're not interested, just sign up. Maybe you'll be interested tomorrow. And uh, here's uh, another sign up. We're going to do our um, uh, growth map. So that's like, maybe you're new here, or maybe you've been here for a while, but you just don't feel like you're like plugging in, getting involved. You want to know what this church is about. Um, this is sort of a, it's a three-week class where we just kind of explain sort of our core values and how it's a map. How are you going to grow here? How are you going to grow in your relationship with Jesus and in your relationship with the body? And uh, how do we make disciples here? This is the map. So um, I know if you're going to be on a team, we really want you to, you know, like, if you're going to lead people in our culture, you might want to know the culture, right? So um, this is how you're going to do that. So uh, we're going to be talking a lot about teams and stuff. This is something that if you haven't taken it, now a lot of you old timers, I just preached it to you the first time, but uh, many of you have not taken this. It's an awesome class, really good. Sign up, and we'll do, we're going to start it two weeks from today after church. Depending on how many people, it'll either be lunch here or lunch at our house. So um, we'll figure it out. But sign up if you haven't taken that class yet. Super important. Um, yeah, let's see what else is going on. Oh, this weekend, if you are college-aged, uh, we are having a retreat. And I hate how the yellow doesn't show up. I should stop using yellow in here. Um, anyway, uh, the the group in Lewiston, their college-age group is called Regenerate. They're coming here. They're, they're doing a uh, retreat for their group. There's about 25 kids coming. And uh, Hugh Laybourne's going to come speak. And I'm going to speak one time. And Sam's going to speak. Um, last year we did it. It was super, super awesome. We uh, talked about prophecy and kids who had never heard uh, God's voice before or never spoken a word, which is we saw a couple of examples of that this morning. We believe that God speaks to his people and speaks through his people. And uh, that was awesome last year. Lots of kids stepping out in that, never done that before. Uh, I'm guessing if Hugh's coming, that's probably going to happen again. Uh, Anyway, so uh, that's going to be Friday night. They're thinking they're going to roll in around 8 o'clock. We're going to have some pizza. 
sleeping bags. We'll have a girl wing and a guy wing, and we're going to play capture the flag and all kinds of fun stuff, and then um, do some prayer and preaching and um, serve in the community. Uh, it's it's going to be a cool weekend. So uh, Friday and Saturday, and then that crew is going to stay over for Sunday. So we're going to have 25 extra people passionate, worshiping, young, crazy college kids. They might be stinky. Uh, no, we have showers here. They should be okay. So, uh, and, and then uh, Sam, I've asked Sam Maines to preach. Now, if you think I am animated, I am like almost dead compared to Sam. He is the most animated preacher I've ever heard, and he's an amazing preacher. So Sam, is uh, uh, Jed's brother, is an amazing preacher. So he's going to preach the gospel next week. He said, what should I preach? And I said, preach the stinking gospel, man. Preach the stinking gospel. So he's going to preach the stinking gospel, and it doesn't stink. So um, that's pretty exciting. All right. Let's get to, oh, wait, no, I forgot, shoebox video. Oh, we got so many things. Shoebox video. Well, my name is Timur Nesbitt. Uh, I grew up in Central Asia and I was orphaned at a um, young age. I've been orphaned for 16 years. And then uh, I heard the gospel through an orphan kid uh, who shared the gospel in an orphanage. And then I became a believer. And then when I was 13 years old, Operation Christmas Child came to my orphanage. And they started giving those shoe boxes and uh, demonstrating John 3.16. And so when I received my shoe box, I was so excited. The first thing I saw was a toothpaste. And it's very unique toothpaste, have a different colors and it tastes really good. And then I also had a lot of pencils. And because I remember in orphanage, you only get one pencil a semester. But when I saw a lot of pencils, I was like, I will have leftovers for college. And uh, Shoebox, in fact, my life does, gave me encouragement of uh, what God has done in my life. And so I just want to say thank you so much for packing the shoe boxes and sending them overseas so the little kids can hear the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ. Awesome video, but I kept wondering if he was going to eat that fly. <sighs> oh, box elder, but oh, those things are everywhere. So uh, shoe boxes, we do this every year. It's actually really, really, really powerful ministry. It isn't just like giving kids a Christmas gift, which would be totally enough. But they use the local church. Like the gifts come through the local church and it empowers the local church to reach people. So it's not just some organization from America swooping in, giving gifts, and then they leave going, wow, those Americans are so great. They connect the people with local church pastors and they get discipled. It's really powerful. We're believing we can do 100 boxes this year. Now, just uh, I, I can't remember the date. It's on your calendar. It's mid-November sometime. Any time now. You, we like to pack the front. Like I was thinking during worship, it'd be cool if like we had to put Jed on like a box during worship so we could see him. Because there were so many shoe boxes. That would be awesome. So um, just start bringing boxes. Uh, if you don't know how to do it and all that. There's some information on the table back there. There's also information over here. The greeters uh, could get to you. Um, so yeah, there's that. And now I think we're ready. Let's watch the video.
Here I am. Take the sandals from your feet. For the place on which you stand is holy ground. I am the God of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You were born of my mother, you heaven. You are our brother. What do you want with me? I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt and have heard their cry. So I have come down to deliver them out of slavery and bring them to a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so, unto Pharaoh, I shall send you. Me? Who am I to lead these people? They'll never believe me. They won't even listen. I shall teach you what to say. Let my people go. But I was their enemy. I was the prince of Egypt, the son of the man who slaughtered their children. You've you've chosen the wrong messenger. How how can I even speak to these people? Who made man's mouth? Who made the deaf, the mute, the seeing, or the blind? Did not I? Now go. never gets old. Uh, we've watched that scene, what, four weeks in a row now. Well, someday we'll move on. We're going through Exodus, those of you that are visiting. Can I get some lights? Uh, thank you. Uh, going through Exodus, and we just got stuck at the burning bush for a few weeks, but we'll find our way out. Um, last week, uh, we talked about um, 
We, I, I, this, the point of the whole series is to remind us that God wants to use us as deliverers just like he used Moses. Um, it's just the way God works. He does something in you, and then he wants to do that thing through you. And uh, I think that is, is something that a lot of believers struggle with. They can believe that they're saved, but the, the idea that Jesus set me free, but the idea that Jesus wants to use me? Whoa, 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 that's, I'm, not, I'm not qualified for that. But Jesus wants to use you to bring deliverance just like he used Moses. And um, we've, we've been at the burning bush, like I said, for a few weeks. The first week we said, deliverers are faith-filled. It required a lot of faith for Moses to drop his staff. Maybe not in the natural, but in the spiritual, it requires a lot of, a lot of faith. We think it requires a lot of faith for us to surrender to God our weaknesses Hey, God, I'm not so good at this in this area. I'm going to trust you to do it. Uh, but actually, I think it requires a lot of faith for me to say, Hey, God, I think I'm pretty good at this. I think I've got this part figured out. But maybe your way is better. And I'll lay down my staff like a shepherd laying down his staff. He surrendered his, his strength. Uh, delivers our faith filled. Delivers are available for a, an encounter with God. In the passage, Moses sees this bush burning in the desert. And I have to think, in the desert where it's really dry, that probably happened quite a bit. Like a bush burning in the desert. Weird. No, not so, probably not so weird. But he, something, it caught his eye and he, he kept looking. He didn't move on. And then he said, that bush isn't burning up. I will go and see this thing. He was available for an encounter with God. So, um, Deliverers are faith-filled, they're available, and deliverers show initiative. They're ready to say yes to what God wants to do. We, we talked about how Moses in his past, he showed self-initiative. He saw the Egyptian beating up on the Israelites and he took matters into his own hands and murdered the guy, didn't work so well. But when God is involved and it's, when it's God-focused initiative, God's grace is in it, God's power is in it, and the motivation for all this delivering that we're doing is actually not even the people. We love the people. But first and foremost, it's worship. Even the, even me reaching and loving and serving my neighbor and preaching the gospel, it's worship to Jesus first and foremost. And that's the initiative. That's what motivates me to step out in faith when I get burned and to step out in faith when I get rejected is, you know what? It's not actually for you. It's for him. And uh, worship and God, God-focused initiative is what a deliverer um, is all about and what they show. Today, we're going to sh- talk about how deliverers value team. De- deliverers value team. The passage here, Exodus 4, 10 through 15, let's read it real quick. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been and I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? We saw this in the cartoon, right? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else, anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. 
I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. We can talk about team this morning. And when I was younger, I've I've shared this quite a bit, I I loved sports, specifically basketball, and I was convinced that I was going to be a professional basketball player until I stopped growing. Well, even then, I just thought, you know, Spud Webb, Muggsy Bogues, I got a shot. Uh, I have no idea what age I was when that uh, dream died, but I'm pro- I probably was shaving. It was embarrassing how long I believed I was going to make it in the NBA. God called me to the NBA. Uh, uh, but basketball was, I loved basketball. Uh, team sport, but for me, uh, I didn't really get that part too much, to be honest. To this day, I meet people that I used to play basketball with. Like I, was, I did church league for a while uh, in Lewiston. And actually, it was at a fundraiser for River City. I met a pastor from another church. And, I mean, this is years later. And uh, he, at Crosspoint, the pastor at Crosspoint, I, I shake his hand, and, and he goes, you look familiar. Did you play church league basketball? And I said, I've grown a lot. I'm so sorry. I, 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 seriously, I'm a different person. I apologize. He's what are you talking about? I'm like, seriously, if you re- could remember her. I apologize, but I wasn't the best teammate. And in school, um, I went to a private school, a very small school, very small school, and uh, we sort of had a basketball team, and we'd just play other Christian schools. And uh, one year, we had a four-man team. We were all left-handed. I'm not even kidding. Four left-handed guys playing basketball. And uh, I was, oh, even telling a story, I'm getting embarrassed. So cocky. And one one time, I, I made a bet with a girl that I was going to score 35 points in the game. And uh, these games were four eight-minute quarters. That's 32 minutes. And uh, so if I was going to accomplish my goal, there couldn't be a lot of team going on here. I mean, that's more than a point per minute. So um, I had set this goal for myself, not for the team, for myself. They didn't know it. I just, I happened to be the point guard, so I didn't have to rely on anybody else to get me the ball. If the other team scored, they passed the ball into me, and I just take it and did my thing. Um, I had great, how did these guys didn't disown me? I guess we only had four guys, so they figured four against five is hard enough. Three against five would have been impossible. They weren't going to kick me off the team. But... um, to this day, I have no idea whether we won the game. I can't remember. We were up in Pullman playing Living Faith. And they, they, they spend all their time tying ties and reading their Bible, so they weren't very good at basketball. But uh, um, we probably, I have no idea. But I put my goal ahead of the team, and my goal was actually pretty, I mean, that's crazy. But in, in the grand scheme of things, as far as the team is concerned, what a small, silly goal. Like, at the end of the day, that's just like, I scored and we lost. I mean, it's stupid. So um, I, as I'm growing older, I'm learning the value of team. And uh, team isn't always easy. Um, but there's this, I think it's an African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And uh, what, I, what, I, what I've learned is that if, if we're going to accomplish anything that's bigger than ourselves, think about it. If I'm going to do anything beyond what I'm capable of doing, I mean, just logically, I'm going to need help, right? If I'm going to do anything bigger than me, I need to be in a team. I've got to be in a team. Have you ever read this story before with Moses? 
And Moses is saying, I stutter. I get tongue-tied. I can't talk. God had just given the man, he put his, his hand in his coat and pulled it out and it had leprosy. And then he put his hand in his coat and pulled it out and it was healed. God had just healed his hand, done a miracle. Why didn't God just heal Moses? Oh, you stutter? Boom! Heal your tongue. Why didn't he do that? Way easier than bringing Aaron into the mix. God values team. God doesn't function outside of team. God's always lived in team. The ultimate team. The Holy Spirit, the Son, the Father, working together in unison. And uh, I think He just wants His kids to look like Him. And so rather than giving Moses the ability to do what he wasn't good at, he brought someone else into his life that had what he needed. Team. Many Christians struggle with this. They grow in their faith and they sense the call of God to do something in their life. They get a vision. They get a, something burning in their hearts. Maybe, man, I'm just passionate about Sex trafficking. I want to stop sex trafficking. You know, that is actually a huge problem in our area. In the Tri-Cities, it is a huge, huge problem. And say, I just, I got a burden. I'm going to stop this thing. And then you look at the problem, the scope of the thing. You feel God's calling you to this and you go, I can't do it. And we stop. We stop at the precipice of of engaging in our calling because we see it's bigger than me. I don't have the tools to do it. For some reason, we think that God has called us to be lone rangers. But, as you know, you will find the lone ranger in your Bible. In the same chapter, you will find the unicorn. They don't exist. There is not an example in the Bible of a New Testament believer getting saved and going out and doing their own thing. They understood that being saved entailed being brought into the family, into the community, into team. And so, as believers, we're not called to stop at the point of impossible. God has hidden the grace you need to do what you're called to do in somebody else. You see, if I had all I needed to do what I'm called to do, I wouldn't even need the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Why would I need patience? I don't need you. Why would I need love? Get out of here. I got this. Today's message is going to be fairly simple and straightforward. I just got five points about team. Five short, uh, simple, short and sweet points because we're going to live team out today after the service. If you're a guest or, uh, or, or new, we have an awesome, you pick the right Sunday to visit. We have an awesome meal prepared. Uh, it's our Sunday where we're just saying thank you to all the people who've joined teams here and serve in the church. And that doesn't mean if you're not on a team, you're not included. We want everybody in here to learn about team, to see it in action. So um, anyway, uh, I'm five quick points on team. First of all, if you're going to be a team-oriented Christian, our teams. Now let's let's let, I want to first define team here because it would be easy for us to think about church team. But I want you to think about your marriage, your workplace, your siblings, I don't know, whatever. You can apply this to every area of your life. Every area of your life, you're called to operate in team. You're never called to do anything alone. All right, team first. 
team, if you're going to be a team player, you're teamed with God first. So our team mission is oriented around the person of God. And, uh, you know, it's easy to drift and as team, as a, as a married couple, as a family, as a church family. It's easy to drift and we get focused on the mission instead of the one who's given us the mission. So as a team, we daily, continually come back and we say, this is the first question we have to answer as a team. Are we partnered with God? And here's a good test as a team. Sometimes we do this. I, I do it anyway, especially because I'm a procrastinator by nature. So like I'm putting a sermon together like Saturday night. I'm getting better. I don't do that very much, but I used to. And I put the sermon together Saturday night because all week long I was watching sports and laying around doing nothing. And just uh, and then all of a sudden, oh my goodness, i got to preach tomorrow and I'm scrambling. And then I come in here Sunday morning with my sermon and I say, oh God, hey, I got this thing. Could you bless it? And I think we could do that in our teams. We could say, hey, our job is to make sure the kids get fed and the kids uh, learn a story and da-da-da-da. We got our plan. Hey, God, bless what we got here. Instead of saying, God, what's your plan? We're partnered with you first. More than we're partnered with the mission, we're partnered with you. And uh, so it's important. If we're going to be team, uh, a team, we're partnered with God because teaming with God accomplishes eternal things. It is possible to do team without God. And you can do amazing things even without God. See, that's not the standard. Like, we accomplished something amazing, therefore God was in it. Let's read Genesis 11.6. Look, he said, this is, these are people who don't know God. They've decided they're going to build a tower. A tower to heaven. And uh, kind of is a pride thing. They're doing it on their own. This is what God says. The people are united. And they all speak the same language. United and same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. So even impossible isn't a high enough bar. Right? Oh man, we're, we're doing the impossible. God must be in this. Well, not necessarily. Just because you have some grand vision. It might even be a good vision. Feeding orphans or a meeting with widows. and I don't know, doing all kinds of great stuff. It might even be a real ministry about Jesus and all that. we got to first stop and say, are we partnered with God? Because even impossible isn't good enough for me. I, wanna, I don't want to just do impossible things. I want to do in eternal things. Because guess what? That tower does not exist today. Impossible for impossible's sake is a dumb reason to work together. Steve Jobs built a great company. I'll bet you in the beginning, the idea that you could pick up your phone and watch a movie 30 years ago, you would have said, impossible. Yeah, right. He did the impossible, but he didn't do the eternal. Peyton Manning won a lot of football games. But... Guess what? All that's going to fade away. And he got crushed by the Seahawks. So obviously he was not partnered with God. We have a real conflict today. The Seahawks are playing the Saints. So my prayer is God, reveal the true Saints today in Jesus' name. (laughs) 
George Washington won some miraculous battles, some real miraculous. In fact, you should read some of the stories. I know Kevin could probably tell us some. He's a historian. The, like the, some of the the the, the enemy was so um, amazed by the providence of God on his life because they would shoot at him and he wouldn't get shot and just amazing thing. Now he was partnered with God, I believe, but. Um, Hard to read those stories and not think of it. But even those impossible things, those impossible stories, this nation's going to fade away someday. I want to build eternal things. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I'm teamed with God. I like the old, the old, uh, the old uh, poem. I'm sure some of you have, have heard it before. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. So, we partner with God first. We're teamed with God first. We, we have to have, if we're going to be a good team, we have to have commitment. The level of success for a team is a direct correlation to the level of commitment of its members. We will only be as successful as we are committed. No team ever won by accident. It requires intentional commitment when it doesn't feel like it's doing anything, when it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere, when you feel like it's a waste of time and, and it's dry, you're committed. When you don't want to show up to practice, whatever it is, we're committed. Two areas of commitment for God's team. We're committed to the mission that Jesus has us on the planet for. And we're committed to each other. And I want to tell you, if we're truly committed to the mission, that will drive our commitment to one another. Because unless you are insane, there is no way you believe you can make disciples of all nations on your own. That's the mission. Go make disciples of all nations. We've got to be committed to the mission and committed to each other. Both, both must equally be wholehearted commitments. If, mission, if we committed to the mission without being committed to each other, you are destined for burnout and deception. I've seen it. We see it way too much in ministry. Pastors committed to the mission. They don't live in team and they do really stupid stuff because they don't have a teammate to say you're doing Really stupid stuff. <laughs> but if we're committed to each other without the mission, it's totally fruitless. And it turns into this circular thing where we just sit around telling each other how great we are and we're fat and happy and uh, it becomes this sloppy grace thing where we just sit around. We don't really do anything. We're just waiting for Jesus to rescue us and hopefully somebody somewhere out there finds Jesus, but we're busy loving each other. We have to be wholeheartedly committed to the mission and committed to each other. And so this is what it looks like to be wholeheartedly committed to both. Hebrews 10.24 Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So my commitment to you is my commitment to spur you on to the mission. I'm committed to spur you on to what God's called you to do. I'm not committed to you like, hey, let's just sit around and talk about how awesome we are. No, I want to spur you on to the mission. So it, I like how he says, let us think of ways. So I'm actually getting up in the morning. I'm saying, okay, today I'm having coffee with Jed. Let me think of some ways I can challenge Jed to, 
to spur him on to the mission God's called him to. Think of ways to motivate each other to do the mission. All right, so we're teamed up with God. We're committed. Third, it's up then out. First, the first point was we've got to make sure that we're doing what God is doing. We're not asking Him to bless what we're doing. We're asking God to invite us into what He's doing. And now, we talked about this a little bit last week, so I'll just quickly touch on it. As a team, our first priority is ministry to the Lord. And I don't care if that... In my marriage, my first commitment is us ministering to the Lord. And let me tell you, if, I, if we are ministering to the Lord, we will minister to one another. It's a, it'll work. It's up, then out. Teams without up first lose, ex, uh, lose experience, and they experience mission drift. If it's not up, then out. Here's what happens. If we are 100% mission, we're out, we're people driven, here's what happens. Success equals people coming and accepting whatever I'm saying. So, if I'm preaching the gospel and it's not working, maybe I should preach a different message and I drift. Maybe I, and, and we drift away because I gotta, my goal is you. So I gotta do what I need to do to get you to join the team. And so we compromise. Does that make sense? Like, there's drift in our mission because all of a sudden, it's not working. Well, who says it's not working? Is it honoring the Lord? Is it blessing the Lord? Then it's working. And he's, he will draw all men. Now, he's going to use you to do it. But um, uh, it's up, then out. In Genesis, in creation, God set it up this way. He, he set up all creation. In the natural, he said that we will reproduce after our own kind. Everything he created said so they'll reproduce after their own kind. So think about it. If we're making disciples, do we want disciples that know how to minister to the Lord? Or just are passionate about some mission of making disciples? And then it becomes this circular like pyramid scheme of... Well, uh, I make disciples. Of what? Well, of disciple making. No, we're disciples of Jesus. So uh, if, if I'm going to teach you how to love Jesus, I better know how to love Jesus. It better be up than out. We reproduce after our own kind. The team that prays together will minister together. Okay, submission. Uh, Ephesians 5.21, submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission. Just take that word apart. What it means is, I've got a mission, right? We've all got a mission. Whether we want to admit it or not, there's something I'm passionate about that you might not be. And there's something you're passionate about that I might not be. And we all come to church thinking the church should be passionate about what I'm passionate about. And if the church isn't passionate about what I'm passionate about, then really i got to question whether they're really a church. And if you don't care about what I care about, then I'm questioning whether you're really a Christian. And so we meet and it becomes this competition of whose mission is going to be dominant. When actually what we're called to do is submit. I take my mission and I make my mission secondary to yours. That's what submission looks like. And so when we meet, it's not about what I'm passionate about. And how can I win Kevin over and convince him that he needs to be passionate about this? It's 
what are the passions God's put in Kevin's heart? And how can I pull that out of him? I submit. I was a huge Bulls fan when Michael Jordan played. And the first year he left, um, it was, you can imagine, best basketball player ever. The GOAT. Greatest of all time. He leaves. And now it's like, who's going to fill that role? Who's going to be the best player on the team? And I can remember they were in the playoffs and they were playing the Knicks. And it was like, uh, 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 they were down by one or something like that. They needed uh, a buzzer beater shot. And all year long, Scottie Pippen, they were saying the best player in the NBA again. Like, he, Jordan left and he was just amazing. The coach called up a play. Scottie Pippen was not going to take the last shot. Best player on the team was not going to take the last shot. He stayed on the bench for the last play of the game. He would not get off the bench because he could not submit. Somebody else went out and hit the shot. A group of individuals with personal mission is not a team. That's called chaos. I got one illustration. Then I'm going to just lay out the last two points real quick. But imagine this. So Jim, Jim owns an electrical shop. Right? So they do I don't know, electrical things. I don't know. Let's say Jake decides to work for his dad. And uh, Jake comes into work one day. He says, Dad, I got this great idea. I am so passionate about donuts. I love donuts. I love fried dough. All things fried dough. I think we should be in the donut business. And Jim says, yeah, that's great. I love donuts too. But we're an electrical company and that's what we do. Well, yeah, but why can't we do donuts? I love donuts. I am passionate about donuts. Well, that's great, Jake, but we do electrical things. And there's nothing wrong with donuts. I'm a big fan. And maybe if you're so passionate about donuts, maybe you should get a job at Poplar Donuts. But we come to church... And we come to this church or that church and we say, I am passionate about missions. This church needs to be passionate about missions. And we think if the, the pastor maybe isn't wired that way. And, and we think, well, they should be. Well, there's nothing wrong with missions. I think missions are super important. Yes. Go do missions. And if you're going to, like, you've you got to operate in team, right? And if, if, if you can't submit, then you better find a team that shares your mission. But just because someone doesn't share your mission doesn't mean that they're wrong. Like somebody's got to submit. And guess what? Even if you're passionate about the same thing, it's going to happen. It's going to happen on the team. You're going to say, well, yeah, we're all passionate about missions and I think we should do it this way. And they say, no, actually, we're going to do it this way. What? You can't do it that way. You've got to do it. Right? somebody's got to submit. Somebody's got to be willing to take their mission, their passion, and submit it. If we're going to be a great team. In the huddle, in a football game, one guy calls the play. It would be chaos if everybody else got to vote. Teams are not a democracy. Okay, two more real quick. Get rooted. If you're going to be a great team, we've got to get rooted. We're going to go through really tough times. Iron sharpens iron. We quote that all the time, right? Iron sharpens iron. It sounds so beautiful, but it's actually really violent and really uncomfortable and painful. But there's no other way to be shaped. 
I can remember uh, I was working a job that I didn't talk about submission, right? I was passionate about church and and I wanted to pastor and I wanted to plant. And I remember doing this, this social work job and it was killing me. It was stressful and and they were pay, you know, the, they were cutting people's jobs and you're wondering if I'm going to have a job and all these things. And I remember one day it was just a and it was it was kind of boring and and I remember one day walking out to my car after work. And I said, God, I just feel like a square peg in a round hole. And God said, yeah, I'm using the round hole to knock off all your edges. I said, okay, I'm I'm, I'm a team. Because I had committed. I will not run and do my thing. I will be sent. I will go in team. I've seen people do it. I'm going. You better send me. I'm going. I feel called. I'm going. Never works. So I just had committed. I'm going to be rooted. And I wanted to go so bad. I wanted to do this so bad. And thank God I didn't because I was not ready. But I committed to be rooted. And here's what it means to be rooted. You trust someone else's perspective more than your own. You've got to have somebody in your life that when it gets really rough, when you feel the pull, that I've got to get off this team. I don't think we're going the right way. I don't think he's hearing from God. I don't, I'm not sure about her motives. There's got to be someone outside of yourself that you trust more than yourself. They say, here's what I'm struggling with. And leaving the team is off the table, right? We've got to deal with this and move forward. Like, if this is a marriage, we're committed to one another. Like that's, we're not talking about, I gotta quit. We're talking about how do we work through this? Cause I'm rooted here. And this issue is actually an opportunity when you're rooted. If we could embrace this truth, this is the last thing I'm gonna say and then we'll close. If we could embrace this truth, it would transform the way we do church. Your purpose is to help someone else find theirs. Too many Christians have an identity problem with God. And they want to earn status with God. And so I can't afford to submit and make my life about you being successful because then you'll look successful and nobody will see me. And so rather than my life being the stepping stool for you, I'm trying to use you as my stepping stool. What if all the Christians stopped competing, laid down their own agenda, and made our lives about one another and submitting our mission for theirs and making our purpose about them finding theirs? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that... um, You've called us to be a part of a team. We don't have to do this alone. Number one, you're with us. Lord, we, we, always, we want to partner with you. We want to team with God. And so first and foremost, Lord, we, we, we just say you're the captain of our ship. You're the captain of this team. You call the plays. And Lord, I pray for each and every person here. Maybe team has not been the most comfortable thing. Maybe church has burned people. Maybe they've been wounded or hurt. Lord, I pray 
for your grace to the, the word that Rebecca had today, that you would heal disillusioned, wounded hearts, that they would learn to trust people again. But we all need somebody in our lives that we trust their perspective, maybe even more than our own, that we're rooted in relationship with one another, that we're submitted, we're committed. Lord, thank you. Thank you for inviting us onto your team. We pray your blessing on each and every one this morning. In Jesus' name. Now I know um, if you're here this morning and you have not joined God's team, okay, maybe that's cheesy, I don't know. There are people here ready to pray for you. There'll be somebody over here um, ready to pray with you. And that is, that is the place to go. If you want to, if you say, man, I need to join God's team. Or maybe you're somebody who you were on the team. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about being saved, right? This is more than just being saved. This is more than just not going to hell. You, maybe you were in community. You were, you were part of the church, but something happened and you've built walls. Go get some prayer. Um, I don't know who the prayer team is today, but, um, we need a couple of people over here available to pray. Um, like ASAP. Um, if uh, if you um, if you're going to stick around uh, and you're not getting prayer, I don't know how to say this politely, but we need this room for a few minutes. So uh, you got to go somewhere. You don't got to go home, but you got to get the heck out of here. No, uh, um, don't leave. Go hang out over there in the big room with the couches, call the living room. Just hang out in there five, ten minutes. We're going to set up this room for our lunch. And uh, seriously, even if you're not a part of a team or whatever, not only are you welcome, like I want you, please stay and uh, join us. So um, ha- go be blessed. If you need prayer, come over here and contact.